Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen. And so are you! <laughs> Hello again, my beautiful Screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. This is episode 112, and tonight we're going to be taking a look at the horrors that lie deep in the West End of London when I take a look at three of their most terrifying plays, Let the Right One In, The Woman in Black, and Ghost Stories. What's even scarier than that? More details from my trip. Ooh, baby. I got a lot of yakking to do, so let's play a promo. Yeah, let's do it now. Promo Shlomo. What? Audio drama in the age of Arthur. For word had gone through all the land that he who drew the blade should fill the sovereign's empty throne. The rightful king be made. You witnessed as I pulled this sword from the stone, and you will either submit to it or die by it. The Lord of Legion, the light in the darkness, east rides Arthur. TheTableRound.com Hell, oh, excuse me, I have my voice cracked, I'm so excited to be here, but hello again everybody, and welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of Scream Queens. So, I hope everyone's having a great summer, I hope everyone had a wonderful 4th of July weekend, and if you don't live in America, I'm sure you had a great weekend anyway, but no fireworks for you, that was a wet firework, ew, gross. And if I, ho- I hope if you're having sex on the beach that you don't get any sand in your clam because then you'd get an oyster. No, that didn't make any sense. If you get sand in your oyster, you get a pearl. Forget it. All right, we're off to a rip-roaring start already. So, kids, what's been going on here? Not a lot. I've been very busy and very tired. And since I got back from Europe, my schedule still has not really figured out in my mind and my body and everything. My allergies have gone crazy and... Things like that, and I'm back at the Jekyll and Hyde Club. I'm hired, I'm fired, I'm hired, schizo. And I started work on a brand new play. I started actual rehearsals on Monday for a new play, a premiere piece. It's going to be happening in August. So busy, 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 busy. And it's been hard to find my groove. Stella may have gotten her groove back, but Patrick's having a little bit of a funk trying to get back to back into it back in the U.S. of A. And by the way, if you're hearing some slurping noise in the background, that's the, the the laundry machine. It makes noises when the drain isn't covered, and clearly the drain isn't covered, and I don't feel like getting up to do with it because I'm about to sneeze. Allergy season. It's the best. So, what I have planned for this episode. Uh, I'm going to carry on a little bit more of what I started with the last episode is talking about my trip. Now, some of you are like, Bleh, what does it have to do with horror? Well, I'll tell you, goddammit. First of all, many, many horrors happened. I committed many horrors. You'll be listening to some of the horrors I committed, but I want to tell you what happened in London. All the inspiration and adventure and mischief and mayhem and really bad things and really great things 
that had happened to me while I was there. And also, I would like to reveal to you some of the deepest, darkest horrors of London's West End. Yeah, I'm going to be talking about some of the horror-based plays that I saw there, just for a little change of paste, which is a saying that nobody really says, but I said it now. Oh, my Chinese food's here. There, I ate it so very quickly. Anyway, now, in the last call, in the last show, rather, I mentioned that I had left myself a daily series of, well, how should I call them? Drunk dials. Detailing the events of that particular day. Now, there isn't one for every day, (coughs) but there is quite a few of them. I played one for you last time. And I will continue to work my way through them until we all get sick of everything and my own voice and whatever. Until it just stops being funny anymore. Now, okay, so it's June 4th. I'm going to LaGuardia Air... No, I'm sorry, JFK Airport to take off for Europe. For the lovely city of London. Jolly old London. Now, not much to report happens on the trip, except that I'm a nervous wreck because, as I keep calling this trip, it was an organizational shit show. Uh, planning was sketchy. I didn't really know who I was uh, staying with. I wasn't sure how I was going to be able to navigate getting there. I'm worried about currency exchange. I'm just worried about a lot, a lot, a lot of things. But really, the trip over was fine, except that I had to sit next to the German dude and his wife. And the German dude was just determined to keep poking me in the butt uh, in, in, in the side with his elbow. Butt, side, elbow, whatever. It's all the same. Whatever. So he just pissed me off, German dude. And I'm like, hey, German dude, just back off. But then it all paid off at the end because while we were landing, this is great, in the half hour while we were landing, his wife threw up in three different vomit bags during our descent. And then she just stuffed them into the seat compartment in front of her and left them there. I'm like, you're a classy bitch. You're a classy bitch. I mean, I don't really know what what the procedure is, but I think he would kind of quietly like hand it over to a flight attendant. She's like, I'm starting to be, oh, that's okay. But no, just like stuff them all in. Hope nobody notices. Get them all over the in-flight magazines. Oh, it's just nasty. You nasty people. You a nasty, nasty lady. So anyway, I got there. I navigated my way through the tubes. To the underground, which, by the way, I was very impressed with. It's very clean. It runs very, very efficiently. But here's me. And the only th- okay, yeah, except for this one thing, no air conditioning. It was like 5,000 degrees. And then, you, know, you know, when they call British people stuffy, now I know why. Because nobody has air conditioning. It, they are actually physically stuffy people. And this is my New York brain functioning. Because I got on the first train, and it's a beautiful train. They're beautiful trains. But I saw that they had fabric upholstery. On the seats, and my New York City brain went, bedbugs, bedbugs, bedbugs. So I had to quell that down. Uh, I don't know what else happened the first day, it was so long ago. So I think it's time for us to take a listen to our first drunk dial phone call. Don't you think? I think so. Hello, loves. My name's Patrick, and I'm a scream queen. I'm a scream queen? And I'm in jolly old England. As I'm sure you can tell 
by my completely 100% flawless British accent that's not a mockery of their culture or history at all. Cool. Right. So here I am, and like I said, just blending in perfectly. I'm staying with my host in Clapham Commons. I was a little bit put off by being called common, but, well, I like the Clapham part. Made me think of black cheeks going... Oh, I'm a right nasty little chipper then, aren't I? I'm just making up words now because I'm completely undetectable in my disguise here. And it's true, everyone here wears tweed 24 hours a day. (laughs) And they all look like watchers. I fit in so well that when I was walking to the theatre last night, somebody screamed at me from a moving vehicle. They yelled, Wanker! That actually happened. So I yelled out, Bob's your uncle, since it seemed appropriate. Whether it was or not, I don't know. So last night, I took the advice of Mark, the rugger lad, as he's known on Twitter, and saw the stage production of Let the Right One In, which, as you know, is about a vampire and a creepy little kid. And I have to say, it was bloody awful. They moved into Scotland, and that was fine. But they kind of took all the suspense out of it, and it was like... And they had all these weird bursts of... I don't want to call it modern dance, but it was supposed to be, I guess, you know, more symbolistic movement, more representational movement. And it was just funny. I mean, I think they might be searching for the old drunk who got eaten or everyone's just dancing with trees. Oh, and then the big swimming pool finale. Oh, Lord. When all the boys were flinging themselves about the stage in dance moves, of course, pretending to be torn apart while the vampire girl stood on the top of the pool set and she wiggled her arms around like Chloe, whatever her name is, and Carrie. It was very embarrassing. It was quite all right because the people next to me started giggling. So I said, oh, good. So I started giving it a good old-fashioned cockney guffaw. Not that. It was very, very fun. So I discovered the gay bars, and apparently I'm ugly on two continents now, so fuck everyone. Fuck everyone. Well, I would, but they won't let me. I think that's about it for now, but Mark, my little rugger lad, you're very lucky that I don't put paper up against walls for suggesting plays. Otherwise, you'd be in a big peck of trouble. Ooh, cool, Rocky. You certainly would be in a whole pit of it, isn't it? I don't know if I use that right, and I don't care, but let me tell you something, Mark. While it was a great thing to be seeing theatre, it's always good to see it live, and also in a new theatre capital that I haven't seen something in. I was like, I'm here. Good. The place sucks. That's fine. But Mark's in trouble because I'm going to have to put you up against a different kind of wall, Mark. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be any firing squad. 
There's not going to be any listeners on it. It's just going to be you and me. And I'm going to have to show you how I punish very, very bad lads. I forgot other people are listening right now. Chip, chip, pirio, pip, pip, cheerio is what I meant to say. Sorry, I'm not completely fluent in the language yet. I'm off to the theater again and the National Museum to see the big blue cock. And also a big rooster statue. ta Okay, well, that was certainly a lot to chew on. Okay, so let's start with Clapham Commons, which is where my host lives, and that's in South London. Now, I have not met this person. I talked to him briefly online, got the address and directions on how to find the key and let myself in. Now, let me say for the week I was there, I think I saw this man for approximately seven minutes top. So it was really kind of creepy to be staying in somebody's house that they're in, but yet you never see them. Like, I thought maybe he was a vampire. Like, I don't know. It was creepy. It was weird. But like, I'm trying to get to his apartment, and I'm just tired. It's just endless trains and endless subways and the paranoia of not knowing where I'm going. And I'm going to sneeze again, so I'm putting myself on pause. Fucking allergies. And... I finally get to the station, and I get up to the top of the stairs to the street, and right in front of me is a gay bar. And I'm like, well, I'm certainly in the right neighborhood. Which is true, and it was nuts. It turns out the Clapham Commons is kind of like Chelsea or Hell's Kitchen at home. It means it's super, 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 super snooty. Everybody's super worked out and super fashionable, and nobody talks to anybody. Because I'm ugly. However, if you run into Portuguese women, they're happy to put your uh, your eye out with a cigarette. Because that happened about four times with the same woman at different bars. It was like she was following me. Go away, Portuguese woman. What's the matter with you? My eye is not an ashtray. No bueno. Although that's Spanish and you don't speak that there. So I don't know how to say no to you. So just say, I just slap you. I'll change this place into slap em commons. Slap, slap em commons. And yes, it did happen. Then on my first night there, when I decided, you know, I'm going to go get some tickets, go see some theater, because if I didn't, I would be a bad actor. You know, to be in that area, in this theater capital of the world, and not get to see some live shows. <clears throat> so also, I've been trying out a new look. Like, I'm tired of looking the way that I look. So I dressed up what I thought looking pretty snazzy, pretty sharp, that just says me. Signature, me. And I'm breaking it out on a new continent. I'm like... Walking down the street to the underground. Oh, and by the way, there's a sign right out in front of the house where I'm staying. It says humps. Next quarter of a mile. I said, that seems prophetic. It wasn't. Because I didn't get laid. Oh, well. My humps. My lovely lady lumps were dry. Very dry humps. But yeah, so I'm walking, making it feeling good, looking great, feeling good, feeling great. I'm a man in a foreign country, and I'm getting along by myself. Hello, world. Hello, car. Hello, guy on a skateboard. Yeah. Hello, chav dude in a sweatshirt. Yeah. Hello, everybody. And that's when the car drove by, and I just distinctly heard, Wonka! With the Doppler effect added on. 
which I can't really do with this microphone. And I was like, boom. Ego, boom. Self-confidence, boom. I'm like, well, probably it had nothing to do with me. Why would they be yelling that at me? They don't know me. I'm a wedger. <laughs> but regardless, I had tickets to get in to see a show. And like I said, I went to go see the stage production of Let the Right One In. Unfortunately, this promo for Let the Right One In does not have any dialogue to it, but it does have this pretty cool synthesizer music, which is very 80s, which is when it's set, and it's also very cold, because it's winter, and that's very important to the story. As you well know, if you've read the classic Swedish novel of the same name, or seen the Swedish film of the same name, or the American remake, which had some other name that I can't think of right now, but that's not the point. Because we're not talking about any of this. We're talking about seeing this story of vampires, love, lust, and horror live. Yeah, like I said, Mark the Rugger Lad on Twitter tipped me off to this and said, it's really good. So, Mark, you're in a shit show trouble. It wasn't awful to be said. Okay, like I said, they transported it to Scotland. Okay, fine. That gets rid of the language barrier. And it's still cold. Great. Now we get into the problems. Now, the two kids. You got the same kids, Oscar and Ellie, or Eli, as they call her here for no reason. And they're not kids. They're played by adults. And at best, they're passing for mid-teens. And that changes the story significantly. That changes the dynamic. Because, I'm sorry, no matter how young you make this kid play, by having them look mid-teens, there's going to be a sexual undercurrent to things that was completely absent from the original. Both the book and the novel. It's not supposed to be there. It kind of taints the innocence of it all. And... It didn't work. And there were just directorial things. They were odd. Like the the set was woods. These snowy woods. And there was always snow on the ground. And they'd bring out set pieces as they needed. But it was always outside. Even if it was inside, you still had... There was no roof. And there was just... The, the snow was still blowing through. And that was kind of cool. Except all the lighting was warm. It was all in warm tones. All in warm browns and yellows, and I'm thinking, why aren't you sticking with the blues and the pinks? Because that's going to make this whole thing feel icy instead of, I forget it, dumb, 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 dumb. And as I was talking with it, I made friends with a couple uh, during intermission, and we were talking about it, and he's very familiar with the with, with all the versions of it. And he said, no pun intended, It's the story needs teeth. And that's absolutely true. They took out a lot of the conflict. 
that's in there. I was kind of hoping, because if you've read the book and seen the movie, there's a lot of other plot lines in the book that are not even touched on in the movie. There's a whole other character. There's a whole other vampire. There's a whole vicious, nasty, sexual, predatory element to it that really brings it to the heart. Like, the the movie is this quaint little, oh, dark fairy tale, but the book has gritty, gritty heart to it. So maybe, well, no, no, no. This just kind of dabbled around... And it got rid of all those fun drunk characters. And so it was pretty much just him and her. And the bullies who were like 40. And like I said, every now and then the action would just stop dead for interpretive movement. Which I could get behind if it was advancing the story. Or something, showing an emotional element without words. But it wasn't. It was just awkward. Every time it started, I wanted to start giggling. Like there was a scene with, with where, where uh, Oscar's mother comes in to sleep with him. Because, you know, she's lonely and it's cold. Whatever, that's fine. Which is fine when your kid is nine. If he's 15, now it's weird. And now we've got this interpretive dance that I'm not supposed, not sure if it's supposed to be telling me that he's getting it on with his mom. Because we just added a whole other thing that shouldn't be in here. But like I said, they were dancing with trees. In the story, there's that one drunk guy who gets killed under the bridge, and then the rest of the movie, his drunk friends are trying to find out what happened to him. Well, forget the rest of the drunk friends. You kind of see the village, I think they're supposed to be looking for him, because they have flashlights, but then they put the flashlights down, and then they spin around the trees and grab onto branches and pose, and I'm like, I don't know what's happening. And this all will be fine if the relationship between the two kids worked, and it didn't. First of all, like I said... The ages, it didn't click because they were clearly playing, trying to play even younger than they looked and it just felt inauthentic and the sexual element was there anyway and the guy was okay but she, when she came up, I liked her. I'm like, she kind of reminded me of world famous actress Elena Acker who guested on the show many, many times until I realized that this girl cried all of her dialogue. Oscar, are you going to let me in? Would you love me if I wasn't a boy? I'm not a girl. I'm not a boy. I'm not anything. Why are you crying? You're a fucking vampire. You got all the power in this story. What the fuck? There's some some blood. There's plenty of blood, but even then it's like, meh. And the staging of things is just odd. Like I said, they do this swimming pool thing. At the end, they have a tank off on the left. That's filled with water, and it's kind of a simulated swimming pool. And this kid's under the water for three minutes. I'm like, holy shit, how's he doing this? This is amazing. And then they ruined it by having all of a sudden the bullies getting flinging themselves around the stage. For apparently no reason. If you don't know the story, you'd be like, what's going on? I don't know what's going on. And then she appears at the top of the tank, and she's twitching and, like, flicking, and the lights go red. Like, she's developed telekinesis now instead of being a vampire. And I'm like, this is terrible! This is terrible! So, Mark the Rugger Lad, you are in deep, deep doo-doo. Like I said, it was great to be out in the theater. Although it really kind of confused me when I got there because I got, you know, my ticket and I'm walking down the stairs and the sign said stalls this way, toilets that way. I'm like, um, aren't they the same thing? 
They're like, no, you're sitting in the stalls. I'm like, but then the stalls in the toilet. Well, I'm just very confused. I hope I don't wind up, you know, going to the toilet in the stalls because, you know, I'm an American and I don't know anything. <laughs> anyway, so that was Let the Right One In. So then I went home. I went to another bar. What was it? I don't remember. D-bar? Jeep? I don't remember. It doesn't fucking matter. Nobody else talked to me there either. Which is par for the course for this trip. Anyway, one night gone. What else lies in store? Let's go to the phones. Patrick, it's your British self again, calling from London. Oh, it's the first day, you know, it's a weekend it was. How you saw so many plays and they were all so boring. Except for that one that tortured the daddy's got meow meow. But you'll have to explain that to them in detail because this is long distance love, I'm not made of money. The best part of that show was after I came out because he was playing right across from with Blythe Spirities, which stars Angela Lansbury. And I saw her just as she was coming out the stage door. And I called out to her and said, Hi, Angie! You're a right fit bird, isn't it? And then she looked at me. And she pulled down her knickers and she showed me her fan. And I said, Oh! Something British, British, British. Yes, so I'm not fitting in with the gay scene here at all. I haven't found anyone in my group from New York, which is very, very upsetting. Nobody texts me back because I guess they don't like me. You know, they're just intimidated by my suave beauty and my sassy new completely legitimate accent. Yeah, so I was stumbling home the other day from the bar after no one talked to me again. And I was really quite drunk. The side is here very potent. And I didn't realize quite how drunk I was. So I realized I had been having a conversation very loudly with myself, having an argument, really. Trying to decide which side of my head, which one of my personalities was a chicken marsala and which one was a taco. So what's something like this? You're a chicken marsala. I'm not a chicken marsala. I'm a taco. You're a chicken marsala. No, you're a chicken marsala. No, I thought it was a taco. You are a taco. You're a taco and a chicken marsala. No, you're a chicken marsala taco. And then I heard myself and I stopped because I said, apparently I've lost my mind. And oh my God, I just lost my accent. Quick, I have to go back to that cheese shop and renew it with that girl. All right, pip, pip, cheerio. Wash your bum and pay the landlord. I don't know, whatever. Fuck you. Wow. Now, I don't know if I made it clear in this episode that when I played one of these calls, these drunk dials that I left for myself on the last episode, I specified that I have not listened to these things since I made them because I want my reaction to them to be fresh and holy shit. And I'm sad to say that that taco chicken marsala thing that happened, I remember that. And the thing was, I wasn't just, like, having this conversation with myself. It got angrier as time went on. I guess this is what happens when I'm isolated for too long. Because, like I said, I wasn't seeing my host. 
I didn't know where the rest of the chorus was. I wasn't meeting people in bars to talk to. And this is what happens. Your brain turns into a taco or a chicken marsala or both. And that's a very, very serious thing. Now, I did want to say a couple of things because this was the day that I spent quite a lot of time walking around London by myself doing touristy things that you can do for free because I'm poor. Now, first of all, I was very excited because I was getting on the underground to start my day and I saw a chav fight on the escalator. I was so excited. They were on the up they were on the up escalator there were two up escalators going and they were on the one to the right of me and they were just smacking the shit out of each other and screaming at each other in what I guess is English, but Chav English. No shit I was like <gasps> This is the best thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life. I was obsessed. I was obsessed with fighting Chavs. I was obsessed with the block. Like, when we were coming in, when I was coming in on the train that was going to Paddington Station, like, I started to see buildings that looked slummy, and I'm like, <gasps> are those the block? <gasps> Is that them? <gasps> oh my god, they're real. They may have been, they may not have been, but that kept popping into me. Every time I saw a shitty building, I'm like, <gasps> it's the block. <gasps> green Tooth Aliens. <gasps> and speaking of green tooth, green tooth Aliens, there's a TV show on there called Drag Queens of London. Oh, my God. Girls. Girls. You want to talk about some busted drag queens? Wow. I mean, I realize everybody's got to start somewhere. But, I mean, I'm talking about girls with, like, black lip liner on, but it's only on, like, one quarter on the top lip, and, like, a quarter on the, on the rest is all smeared. I'm like, girls, you're on camera. Fix your makeup and shave your legs and your back, for that matter. Girl. Drag Queens of London. Oh. Oh. But it still wasn't as exciting as the McDonald's fight. I'm not even going to get into this. There was a massive fight in McDonald's with Chavs and a crazy black man who wound up putting his penis on the window and peeing on it. And the security people were taking him away. And meanwhile, I'm just munching away on my quarter pounder like, this is the most dramatic McDonald's I have ever been in in my entire life. Oh, and that's also because in the men's room when I went in there to pee, there were people having sex in the stall. So I'm like, okay, so there's people having sex in the stall. There's a black man with his penis on the window. And this, oh yeah, what happened was this girlfriend... These two chap teenagers. Well, I don't know. All of a sudden, like, they, they got this black guy outside. He was causing a commotion. Initially, this is before he put the penis on the window. And I don't know what happened. They got him outside. And the second the door closed, I guess they were in some kind of a fight, these teenagers, because the girl just took the guy's tray of food and just went, zing! And threw it across the restaurant. So it's raining chips everywhere. And then I was like, oh my God. I went to look and see what the security people were doing. That's when I saw that the guy was screaming at us from the outside with his dick on the window, peeing on the McDonald's. And I said, this doesn't happen on Queens Boulevard. Bradford's always talking about peeing on the windows of restaurants as he passes by, but he's never done it. He's never actually done it. This guy did it. I said, rightio. Good stuff. So what else? Like, I, I took a lot of pictures this day. Most of my pictures are ironic because there's a guy in the chorus named Michael Miller, and he takes amazing photos, so I figure I can live vicariously through his photos. But I walked around. I saw the National Gallery, and that was beautiful. And I saw the big blue cock, which is actually a gigantic blue rooster statue. And, uh, I, don't know, and I saw two plays this day. So I'm going to talk about the first one. The first play that I saw was the long-running supernatural hit, The Woman in Black. All I wish, implore, is that this tale of mine be told, so I may sleep without nightmares. 
I recalled that the way to banish an old ghost that continues its hauntings is to exorcise it. Well then, mine should be exorcised. I should tell my tale. Watching you, it is as if I relive it all. I have a child myself. Love her. Take care of her. Tell me, that woman, uh, if she can find her own way home, she looks so dreadfully unwell. I did not see a young woman. I did not believe in ghosts. There she is again. He stands amazed and bewildered. He grabs her neck. Child, let it be light. Get me! I pray for God's protection. The Woman in Black has been terrorizing audiences in the West End for 25 years, one of the longest-running shows in West End history. Now, I had heard that it was not great, but I figured for something that's running this long, it deserves some props, and I will go and experience it. Now, this is, in fact, the same story that was made into a film with Daniel Radcliffe a few years ago, and it is based on a 1983 novel, I believe, by Susan Hill. Yes, 1983, Susan Hill. Now, that's surprising, given that it's all Victorian and proper and everything, but alas, I guess you can write things that are Victorian that don't, you know, when you don't live there and stuff. Now, if you've seen the movie, you know the story, so... What I thought was interesting, and I, for some reason, I thought, well, maybe it's a different story called The Woman in Black. There's also a story called The Lady in White, and there's also The Woman in White, and I don't know, maybe there's, I don't know. So as it started, I realized, yeah, okay, this is the same story. However, what caught my interest is that it's being told differently, because there are only two actors. There is the man whose story it is, the older man who's who's trying to tell the story about when he was a young man and was ordered out to Eel Island by his law firm to close up the estate for a woman who had recently died and the horrors that occurred while he was there. But the thing is, he's not a public speaker and he just wants to be able to present it in a, in a tight little package to loved ones, whatever, so that they understand. He wants to put on, not a theatrical production per se, but just be able to narrate his book in a small palatable form. So he hires an actor to coach him through it. So between the two of them, the actor is now playing the old man, and the old man is playing all the other parts. They are working through, it's a work in progress, what he's going to do for this storytelling session for his loved ones, that he just needs to tell them so that they'll finally understand what happened to him back then. And I said, okay, and it's, it's, it's very bare bones. Suggested sets, uh, suggested sets, just costumes, no real special effects. Well, actually, there are special effects, but they're old school special effects, like old haunted house style effects that are obvious. You know, they're not trying to fool you. And I said, this is kind of interesting. They're just trying to tell the story with what they have. The problem was, at this point, I had walked around London in the hot sun all day. Now, granted, this for London was a heat wave. For me, it was a comfortable June day. 
that you know had no humidity, but it was still really warm. And I walked and I walked and I walked and I walked and I walked, and it was so cute because all around they were concerned about people getting stricken by the heat wave. So there were all these posters reminding everyone not to leave your house without a lovely bottle of water. A lovely bottle of water. Not just a bottle of water, a lovely bottle of water. Not that shitty bottle of water you're trying to take out of the house. What are you trying to do? This is England. Everything's lovely here. Put it away. Save it for company. Take the lovely one for yourself. Someone will see. And by the time I got there, I did fall asleep during Act 1. Because I realized I know the story. And it's just so quiet. It's the two actors. And it's all being told... It's being told. It's not being performed, per se. To an extent, yeah, it is. But it's basically still just being told. And I know where it's going. So I fell asleep. Oopsie. I'm sorry, I said there was only two actors. There is three. Because the woman in black is there as well. Popping up every now and then to scream. And cause us to scream. And here's the thing. When I was getting towards the end of Act 1, when I woke up from my nap, I said, why? Why are we choosing to tell the story like this? The movie didn't tell the story like this. Daniel Radcliffe wasn't trying to tell the story for someone else. What is this about? What is this conceit all about? Could there be a twist to this? Is there something more sinister here that I'm not right away seeing. And the thing is, I was right. I was right. And the problem was, I found out I was right before it actually happened because I went out for a cigarette. Yeah, I'm still smoking. Fuck you. I went out for a cigarette during intermission. I'm sorry, the interval. And I was reading the reviews, and one of the reviews had the twist right in it. So boo on you, London Times. A, for blowing the twist, and boo on the theater for posting that review on your wall. No, I realize you're British and you don't like people to have emotions and things, but for God's sake! It would have been an almost kind of cool, somewhat cerebral twist to what was otherwise a not really great evening of theater. And I'll tell you why. I think once upon a time, this show was great and groundbreaking. But now, the actors, both of them, just felt like they've been doing it forever and were just getting through it as quickly as possible. Even the little video that was connected to the website the, that I just showed the ex, that played the excerpts from had more commitment than the two guys I saw, and I don't blame them. I understand that things can get tired, but you know, fuck y'all, fuck the woman in black, fuck them for spoiling the the twist on the outside, fuck me for telling you that when you go to the theater, go read the side of the wall, and you'll know the twist, and. Fuck everybody. Fuck Daniel Radcliffe. Fuck his penis flopping around on Broadway. And just fuck everybody. And fuck the big blue cock. And fuck tacos. And fuck chicken marsalas. <laughs> You're going to have to decide which one you are. And when you do, go fuck yourself. <laughs> That's what I got to say. <laughs> okay. I know there's one more phone call left, and I know this is when I'm finally meeting up with the other chorus people. I did see one other horror-based show. I saw it on the same day as I saw The Woman in Black, but I'm going to hold off on that for now and just kind of throw it in later. We're just going all out of order, and just deal with it, because it's magic time. It's another time. It's time for a, it's a, 
It's time for another call. It's really hot in here, okay? I'm sweating out my pore holes. Mmm. Oh, and I just want to make perfectly clear that even though Angela Lansbury was playing across the street from one of the theaters that I saw a show in, she did not hike down her knickers and show me her fanny. That was a lie. She got her norks out instead. Wonga, 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 wonga. Hello again, Patrick. It's Patrick in the UK. Hooray. It's Tuesday, I think, is it? Sure it is. I think it's still Tuesday here in England. I don't know. Just wanted to call and let you know what happened yesterday. Because yesterday I finally got around other people. Because after four days of walking around by myself, I was going a little bonkers. Little soft in the head. A little about the squid. Which isn't a real saying. I just made it up right now. But it sounds, you know, vaguely cockney or something. Right. Anyway, we started rehearsing with the other chorus. Yay! And it was wonderful. I'm like, hello, other gay men that aren't the bitches that I have to rehearse with every week. Because let me tell you, I showed up for rehearsal. There were five of the, you know, the mean girls there standing out in front. And I was like, hello, gentlemen. And they went, hmm. I went on with their conversation. So you know what? Look what happened to Lindsay Lohan. All right. All right. I wish that on all of you. Lucky I'm not telekinetic. Or telekinetic, or however they, however they pronounce it, because they pronounce everything stupid over here. Aluminium, vitamins, Z, fuck you. Fuck you and your bum hole. Yeah, so there we were, rehearsing in small hall. What does everything here have to rhyme? I don't know, but let's picture this. Let's put two courses together. That's 200 men and put them in small hall. No, 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 no. Small hall, like everything else in England, is an air conditioned. And let's just say I love my new British friends, but they smelled ripe when they came in. And after two hours of dancing in a 5,000 degree room, that's 5,000 Kelvin, by the way, <laughs> well, we'd all have to be best friends forever after that because we all just smelled like a big pile of shit we did. And also, I make it even more interesting, we got here and it turned out all the choreography videos that were sent to us have been changed. So we had all new dancing to learn 12 hours before the concert. Fuck everybody. But, you know, that's why we do it live. I just say, smile, look pretty, and hit the last pose. It'll be fine, make everyone else look wrong. But then, we had a dinner break. Lovely. Fish and chips. Half-price cocktails. Brilliant. Brilliant. And we go over to Cecil Sharp Hall. Cecil Sharp Hall for folk dance and music. And Cecil Sharp, you are a fucking party animal. And then we met the rest of the chorus. Oh, it was wonderful. All this flirting and shamelessness. But for a while, it was like a junior high school dance because one chorus stayed on one side and the other chorus stayed on the other side. And everyone's like, everyone's too shy to talk. But by the end of it, we're all, you know, snogging and shagging and all those other gross words. And I really have to say, the London Gay Men's Chorus, what a lovely bunch of fags they are. What a lovely bunch of fags they were smoking out on the street 
during rehearsal break. Oh, and we got tea and crumpets at rehearsal break. I was like, what? It was mandatory. Like, you must have your tea and you must have your crumpet. I'm like, could I have a biscuit? They're like, no, you got to have a crumpet. I'm like, I want to have a crumpet. Don't want to cause an incident. But then we all went out afterwards to the black cap. I felt bad, you know, it was the local gay bar. And there was some couple in there having a romantic evening. And a woman who clearly just wanted to have a nice quiet out alone. And then all of a sudden, 200 gay men just poof, arrived. Not in dribs and drabs, but in an avalanche. Sorry. Sorry. Should have checked your gay guide. It says specifically, don't be here on a Monday because the chorus will overrun any romantic thing you're going to do. So, ha, ha, I was part of a, a fagalanche. Copyright that. I've got to go because we're going to go sing at the embassy. The embassy. The embassy. Was I going to say the embassy? Gone. There was no bang the wrong, banging up the wrong. I don't know. Bang up the wrong. I don't know. Let me forget it. Cut all this part out. Fuck it. Goodbye. Toodaloo. Pip pip and squibbity pibble up the chimney. I don't know. Goodbye. Okay, so no real surprises there. Uh, yes, rehearsal started, and um, there was a lot of trepidation going into this because, you know, we're two courses that have never met, and we hear about each other all the time, you know, because my musical director, Charlie, he's the director for the London Gay Men's Chorus, and he's like, oh, well, London would never stand for all this chatting. They always know their lyrics immediately. And they never chat. And they're never restless. And they always, always, always know their choreography to a T. Well, that turned out to be a whole lot of shit. Because apparently they said the same thing about us on the other side of the pond. So we all got together and we're like, we're all fucked up in the same way. We are the same we are they, and they are us, and everything was just, was, well, it was not wonderful. Well, it was wonderful. No, because I, I want to talk about these guys a lot more, but you guys have sat through a lot of this already. And I do want to say that I want to thank the men of the London City Gay Men's Chorus for welcoming me and, and the others as much as they did, because really... Until that rehearsal, I was on my own for almost a week, and like I said, it got a little weird. And I can be a little weird anyway. Shocker. But whatever worries I had were quickly met, were quickly, you know, dismissed. Because as soon as I met my two dance partners, Michael on the left and Martin on the right, and they welcomed me with open arms. I knew I was home, and that's how the whole group of men that I met were, like, welcoming. They welcomed me with open arms and mouths and legs, and that's all very good, but seriously. I, I'm sure you're bored, but the thing I want to say is that something happened during my performance with these guys, we did one show together at the Queen Elizabeth Hall, uh, a joint concert. They started, 
we joined and took over solo for a while. Then, you know, vice versa. You know, we just switched back and forth for a while, you know, and did two numbers together. And something happened to me on the stage that night. It was one of those things where I knew the music enough that I didn't have to think about it, and I knew my choreography enough that I didn't have to think about it either, and just every word that we sang just resonated with meaning and power. Personal stuff. You know, like, you ever have one of those days when every song on the radio seems to have been written just for you? And they're speaking directly to you. That's how it was that night. And then when the other chorus was performing, the same thing was happening. All of their songs seemed to have been written for what I was going through at that time. And it was a very powerful thing. And for that, I am forever in debt to those gentlemen who in the London Game as chorus who who were there, you know, as well as my own chorus who were just there. For this moment, this magic not magic, but just this dawning, awakening or something, something changed on that stage. And it can't change back. And the friends that I made over there I will never forget and I miss each and every one of them so much it hurts sometimes, and it makes me mad. I'm like, you're 3,000 miles away. What the fuck? I got such good dirt for you right now. But this is kind of talk for another day. I do want to say, though, that um, <laughs> I fell in love with these guys. The, the theme of the, the name of the show was called You Say Tomato, which, of course, is a reference to the song You Say Tomato When I Say Tomato. And the thing is, it was funny, is that we said the name of the concert was You Say Tomato, but they called it You Say Tomato. So I'm like, ah, it's hilarious. Because we're different, but we're not. And we did a cover of George Michael's Freedom, the 91. Well, they did a cover of Wham's Freedom. And I thought they were so adorable. I mean, it was well sung, but the choreography was so cute that if I wasn't already in love with them, I just wanted to just squeeze the entire organization as a group, and not in a dirty way, just in a joyful, joyful way. It was funny. They were looking at ours going, we like yours better. We're like, we like yours better. We're still the same. So, uh, before I talk about the final show, I just wanted to play a little bit of both of those songs because, well, it's mostly going to be the, their version because only 38 seconds of our version of Freedom was recorded anyway. But then we're going to talk about ghost stories. Let's try that again with Diction. We're going to talk about ghost stories live on stage, which had the very, very, very clever tagline... And when I say clever, not very clever at all. But you know what? It worked. Keep telling yourself, it's only a show. It's only a show. It's only a show. But this isn't a show. This is gay men singing about freedom. Yeah.
that I witnessed in the West End was a play called Ghost Stories, an anthology play, if you will. And you might be wondering, wasn't there anything else to see while you were there except these scary things? I mean, you're an actor, Patrick. Shouldn't you have gone to see Shakespeare at the Globe or anything like that? And I say this to you. Okay, pretty much everything that was running was already running in America, has already run in America, or is coming to America soon. So I didn't feel the need to see a lot of these things. And what was left, the ones that stood out to me were, of course, the scary things. I said, I really should go see this thing over here with this very important actress, but you have listeners. They're not going to care about that. So I followed my heart to the scary side of town because, you know what, that's what this show in my life seems to be all about. So, ghost stories. Here's the thing. I liked this one. I liked it a lot. I've been forbidden, forbidden to reveal its secrets to you. So, I'm going to do my best to describe the experience without ruining a thing. Okay, so, ghost stories. You go in knowing nothing. You heard the trailer. It's all just audience reactions to it. The posters are the same. And I go into the theater, and it's you know got creepy sewer-like water dripping noises, and there's police tape everywhere, and there's chain link fence everywhere, you know, extending out into the house, and written on the walls are chalk numbers that seem random. And I said, hmm. This is probably going to be important later. I wonder what the secret of these numbers are. Am I going to tell you? No, not now anyway. Anyway, the show starts, and in it, there's a man. You know, it's, He's giving a lecture about paranormal activity and his take on it. And he's citing experiences of people that he's come into contact with that have had alleged contact with the other side. And that sets up the anthology section. His part is the frame story, and then we get three individual stories of horror and mayhem. So just a quick summary. In the first one, there's this guy, I think he's, in a, he's a night watchman, see? And at a see, and he's got this daughter, and, well, he's been having a lot of problems with her because she's been in a at the for many, many years, and he stopped seeing her out of guilt. So he's got all this bad energy going on inside. And this one particular night in it's just any other night. It's just boring. Talking to the rookie on the walkie-talkie somewhere else in the 
and watching some internet porn to pass the time. I liked this section a lot because it was all about waiting and quiet. Because it's just this one man in his little office. And you know something bad's going to happen, but you don't know what. We don't know what we're in for. Okay, there's a chainsaw running outside. That has nothing to do with anything. So you're just on edge. Just that little bit like, what's going to happen? What's going to manifest? What's going to happen? And when it starts to, it's so subtle. Like He's watching the internet porn. And maybe, just maybe, you think you might hear the sound of underneath the grunting and the groaning. Did you hear that? Did you not hear that? Because he didn't seem to hear that. Was that you? Was it him? Was it me? Did a prince really kiss me? That's right. I just went into into the woods. But most of you have no idea what I'm talking about right now. But that's okay. Because now he's hearing Anywhere, weird voices start coming over. The weird sounds start happening. And the goes on his walk. Again, it's all about the weight. It's all just lit by flashlight. And for a split second, he moves the flashlight around this and all of a sudden you see this hideous and everybody's screaming ah! and he doesn't see it and you're like ah! how could you not have seen that hideous ah! and it all goes very very badly for him this is the second story not a man driving on a lonely road at night coming home from a party a little bit drunk and he hits someone, or should I say something? He's, he runs over a girl in the road, but to be perfectly honest, she didn't look like she was doing too well to start with. She looked pretty and and not so and kitties are crying. Tyler Puss, what's wrong? He's scared. He's scared. And as he's driving along, he keeps seeing the girl every few miles. I'm like, I know this story. This is like the hit girl. But then all of a sudden, he gets in a and the girl pops up in the and she grabs him and she says, don't drive the and of course, does he listen? Because he goes the car and on top of the was this gigantic fucking, I don't know what the fuck it was. It was like and it was purple and it had giant and everybody's screaming, and it was such a shock, and I was screaming, and I was laughing, and I don't know, I was behind this, uh, in front of this Russian guy, who was screaming like a woman at everything, he was like this big, burly, like, 400-pound guy, but he was always like, ah, like, every five seconds, and that was really something, and I probably just broke your eardrums just saying that, but it all just boils down, I don't know, it's these three great stories, are they particularly scary? No, but they're well told. My only beef is when it got to the reveals of what's going on, I wish they'd taken more time with them. Like, they took so much time setting them up that you just wish, I just wish, that instead of just going blah, 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 and shocking you, that they extended that to let you look at what it was and just to take that all in and be like, no, because sometimes slow is scarier than fast. Am I right? Of course I'm right. The third story is about a man whose wife is expecting, and it's kind of like a reverse. As a matter of fact, you know, you know, you're not going to have a good 
nothing's going to go well like when the mobile that you bought for a child's nursery actually plays the theme from Nothing good is coming of this baby. And nothing does. Except the term, Daddy's got meow meow. And I won't explain what that means because I really can't. And the thing is, they sold t-shirts that said, Daddy's got meow meow. And I'm like, oh my god, I want that. And I realize no one's going to know what the fuck that means. I have enough problems with people looking at me weird. The last thing I need is to be people have people coming up to me like, I would like your meow meow, Daddy. I don't know why they're German, but why not? Why the fuck not? And then all these stories come back to the wraparound story, and there's a whole other story that's going on in the wraparound story, and that's where all the big secrets lie. And I got a big kick out of ghost stories. Is it scary? No. What was scaring this guy behind me? I don't know. But you know what? I was laughing a lot, and I was on board for the ride. I was much more engaged than I was with the other two plays that I saw while I was in London. Because this one also gave you some mystery. Because, like you said, what's with the numbers? What's with the police tape? What's with this? What are we not aware of, considering our lecturer, dude? What dark secret is in his past? And, well, do we find out? Yeah, we do. Am I telling you what it is? No, I'm not. Now, I realize most of you will never get to see ghost stories. But, you know what? I took an oath. And the last thing I need is some gigantic purple fucking thing showing up at and me by the tits and my head and then wind up naked on a pizza in the middle of New Jersey. Okay, so that's my West End horrors. There's no voicemail this week. Uh, I did get an email from Joe from Cinti that I'm not going to read just because I did not get permission to, but it was just about how the show helped him through some difficult times. And it came at the perfect time because when I got back from the trip, Bradford and I ended our relationship. And that's why I'm having trouble getting through the show. I, I just... The thing is, I've been gone for a while, you know, with the trip. And even though I put out a show, it was kind of half a show. <sighs> Me putting out this show is not just saying, Hi, I'm still here after disappearing for so long. It's kind of <laughs> me saying, Are you guys still out there? I know you are. Because, you know, both of us need some loving right now. But anyway... That was a real bummer to end the show on, but it's, I've always said, keep this show as honest as you can, and that's what's been going on. Uh, next time, I don't know what we're going to be doing. I have no idea. I'm trying to get some guests on to liven things up a bit, but right now I don't know, and that's okay. Just know, I'll be here, and I know you'll be there, and someday I'll get this fucking voicemail fixed. So, if you want to leave me a message, you can try calling 347-767-3509. Hopefully, it won't cut you off in a minute, but it probably will. Or you can send an MP3 like Betty does to crew at ScreamQueens.com. And that's Queens with a Z, of course. And, or an email. You can just write words 
on your screen and then hit the button and send them to me. You could like me on Facebook, do a search on Scream Queens Horror Podcast and like the page or follow me on Twitter at Scream Queens. And you can listen to me on the Stitcher app, which is Smart Radio, where you can listen to all your favorite podcasts on just about any mobile device you can think of, or your computer, or non-mobile devices, or just just download it and check it out, because it's a nice, clean, smooth-working app, and I like it. So until next time, continue to make the world a creepier place, and Grandma's not here right now, but just know, that was rude. I was just about to say something profound, but now I'll just have to leave it with Daddy's got your meow meow. Nah. Anyway, I love you guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, recorded live at Queen Elizabeth Hall... The New York City Gamer.